Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So what's going on in Tallahassee? <laughs> I heard there are some angry young people down there. It's um, I tell you what, it's been crazy busy uh, this week. Um, well, the past two weeks, really, with the aftermath of Parkland and obviously being the capital here, we've got people from all over the state and you know, even outside of the state coming to the capital, protesting, meeting with lawmakers, meeting with the governor. Um, there are regular events um, that have happened for the past couple of weeks, vigils, and my wife's been involved in a number of those and some more stuff going on tomorrow that she's going to be involved in. Um, so it's been, it's been really busy. We've had a lot going, had a lot of movement on some things um, that we're working on. So I don't know. It's been crazy. It's been really busy. We're excited about some of the movement, but obviously some of it doesn't look very good, particularly with some bills that have been, have been introduced. Um, the governor, Governor Scott, introduced a bill and then the House and the Senate have bills. Both the House and Senate bills have um, like $67 million for arming teachers, which is just a non-starter, right? Um, and the, the bills didn't originally have that. Like what was being floated didn't have that. And then all of a sudden they threw that in there. Uh, looks like it's a poison pill designed to kill the bill and to try to blame Democrats for it. But I don't really think it's going to work. Um, like I don't think the bill is going to pass, but I don't think they're going to win that narrative either. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, I'm so surprised by that. By uh, just just kind of the we're we're just going to throw our hands up in the air and say, well, you know, we we can't do anything about it, but we're glad these young people are speaking their minds, or you know, young people shouldn't speak their minds, but it's okay for <laughs> right. Roy Moore to have sex with them, right? You know, but yeah, <laughs> uh, but but you know, it's it's sort of this. Well, you know, we, we applaud them and that's great to see all the activism, you know, kind of the Marco Rubio tactic, which I don't think it's going to work anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, I don't know. It feels like we're having one of those moments. I mean, not to go back to the sixties and the civil rights movement and make any kind of a comparison, but you know, it, it feels like people are finally trying to say, look, it's not okay to be apathetic and it's not okay just to say your thoughts and prayers uh, are, are, are going to be meaningful and to see like Dick's sporting good, good, mm -hmm. uh, you know, step out and say, Hey, thoughts and prayers aren't enough. And they're going to lose a yeah. lot of money or, you know, considerable. Well, I don't, I don't know. Like, let's talk about the Dick's thing for a second. Okay. So they came out and they said, <clears throat> we're going to, we're no longer going to sell AR 15s at our stores. Uh, we're going to raise the age, um, to 21 for anybody to buy guns. That's all good. Well, they actually stopped selling AR 15s after, Sandy Hook. Which one? Sandy Hook. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say Newtown. Yeah. After Sandy Hook in their Dick stores. This time that now they're doing it in all their stores. So they have like 35 filled and stream stores. Now they're not going to sell AR-15s there or online anymore. So it's like, well, if you really thought AR-15s were the problem, you would have banned it. You would have stopped selling it in all of your stores uh, after Sandy Hook. So so yes, like they're going in the right direction. And, and I, I applaud any kind of movement in the right direction. But at the same time, it's a they're also looking uh, at what they think is going to be the right business move. Dix is, Walmart is, by the way, apparently Kroger. Does Kroger some places sell AR-15s? <laughs> I think I saw yeah, that. Yeah, Kroger. No, no, Kroger owns um, uh, Fred, oh, okay. Fred Meyer something. Okay. That, I, I was like, Kroger stopping. I was like, I've never been to a Kroger that had No, Kroger, Kroger's a, a major conglomerate. They own like, I think they own Milo okay. now. And, that's right. Uh, that's so. right. But 
But right. So these companies, right. You, so you're absolutely right. The moment is different and, and we're, we're getting some movement in, in the right direction. And I applaud that. I also recognize that, you know, they're sitting in the C-suite and they're saying, Hey, this, I think this is the right move for us. Just like companies kind of started doing with uh, same-sex marriage and transgender bathroom use, uh, realizing, feeling the moment, obviously getting that kind of uh, public corporate peer pressure as well, getting the kind of online activism and obviously Delta, you know, a lot of these companies that have cut ties with the NRA and their kind of, um, you know, discount program. They're getting the public pressure, but they're also ceding to that public pressure because they think it's the right business move. I think. I don't think that they're. I'm not sure Dix is actually going to lose that much money. Yeah, but I mean, over this, if they lose any, and they're going to gain some fans, um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's. I, I'm always cynical. Yeah, you are, and I'm, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because it's a private company. Um, in, in the sense that it's family run still and, and they are conservative and there's a lot of the NASCAR crowd that watches them. And I mean, I, I know a lot of people who shop at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's and, and those places around here. Right. Um, and that's where people buy guns and ammo. And to see a company like Dick stepping out and say no, or, or to see United and Delta stepping out and Delta today got a slap on the wrist from the state of Georgia. Uh, they passed yeah, legislation to where they're trying to. I don't know if it's going to pass the Senate. I'm trying to, yeah, we'll see if it gets upheld too. I'm not hey, sure. Hey, we, about we that gladly election, welcome Delta here in South Carolina. <laughs> if you... There's a, yeah, everybody's trying to get Delta to move a hub to Tallahassee. I'm like, it'd be great. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to get the Delta hub in but Tallahassee. I guess but that would be huge. For yeah, but I guess that's the frustrating part for me. You know, whether it's HB2 bill in North Carolina or the DACA Dreamers issue. Or, you know, sensible gun laws. Our politicians have completely failed us on all of these issues, and they're throwing up their hands. I'm watching, um, what's his name from West Virginia, Democratic senator, um, mentioned Joe Manchin, 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 who's just the biggest. Like, I mean, just seems like a big pushover. I mean, like, and and this morning on Morning Joe, they're asking him, well. If a vote came up to ban AR-15s, what would you say? And he said, "Well, you know, I, I know people who own them. I don't own them. I'm, you know, I've got some, I've got guns. I've been a lifelong member of the NRA, but I don't know anyone who's ever, um, you know, shot anyone with that." And they're like, "That's not what we're asking." And that's all these old white men can can rehearse is that or recite is that. Well, you know, it's it's a complicated issue. We're we're so glad those kids on there doing stuff. We're so glad that United and Delta and Dix and Kruger are, are showing the way, but you know, our hands are tied. I mean, it's a Republican Congress. It's a Republican president. What are we going to do? And then you've got Donald Trump saying, you know, take away due process, <laughs> take away the guns, due process a second. Oh my goodness. That was amazing. Uh, wasn't it? What's like and for, for Tucker eight Carlson. years, you know, yeah, we Tucker heard Carlson this- just criticized him and said, if Obama had said that, uh, we would have impeached him. Immediately, like within the week, Obama would have been impeached if he'd said, "Take their guns first, deal due process later." It's just, it's just it is, absolutely it is. amazing, and, and it feels like, you know, Donald Trump's not a, an effective leader. Whatever your persuasion, um, his whole sort of, I'm going to throw a grenade into the room, lock the doors, and then I'm going to walk back in and say, "Well, we've got good ideas and bad ideas, and let's see which ideas." You know, that is not leadership. <laughs> you know, and and uh, sort of. Washing your hands is is 
not the way to, to become the Messiah, you know, like um, Pontius Pilate didn't get off easy by doing that. So the, the idea that our politicians are doing that while we're having corporations who, as you pointed out, are doing this for money. I mean, the, the president of, of, or the CEO of Dick's, <clears throat> maybe not him, but, you know, United Delta, these, these large, large billions of dollars worth companies have a fiduciary responsibility to their uh, stockholders by law to make money. And they're showing the way, you know, whether it's HB2, whether it's, um, you know, gay rights, whether it's uh, the Confederate flag here in South Carolina, all these issues that corporations have to step out because our politicians are, are so afraid that they're going to piss off the 30% base that they think is going to elect them because that's what they've heard. It's maddening, you know, and, and, and government should be slow. Government should, I mean, there's a, a reason we have the, the framework we have and thank God we do because, you know, the, the freaking Congress isn't, you know, doing their job of, of standing up to the executive branch. And people can say that Obama overreached in the executive branch as well. But the idea that um, corporations are, are kind of the, the moral compass of our country right now is a really, um, that, that, that's a, a, a tricky place to be, especially like today when we have Trump passing new tariffs, um, you know, in, in the hopes of revitalizing the steel and aluminum industries. It, it, it just seems like we're putting all of our eggs into the wrong basket and we're not holding, we're, we're holding, um, we're holding corporations accountable with our call out culture, which is great. And I love that, that we're saying, Hey, I'm not doing business with you and you and you, I'm not going to rent a car from you. I'm not going to go shop at Walmart because you still sell guns and, and assault rifles. That's wonderful. But hold, hold our politicians to an even higher standard and then hold our, our pastors and our clergy to an even higher standard. And I don't see us doing that. Um, and that's the frustrating part for me. I think that's right. I, yeah, I, th I think that we are, that you're right, that our corporations have become um, kind of the moral compass, which I think on the one hand is an indictment of our politicians and many of our faith leaders. And I think you're right about that. On the other hand, I also think, I mean, you, you know, people, longtime listeners will know what I say pretty often. It's almost always about money and power, right? And it's not, this is not the first time. It's not like this moment. I know you're not saying this, but it's not like this moment is the first time that the businesses have said, we're going to take a stand on this issue. Um, even if it didn't look like it was directly tied to their business, it was a social issue or whatever, um, because they had a particular, um, you know, philosophical bent, religious bent, whatever, or they thought that it was the right move where, you know, they were kind of trying to read the tea leaves and see where public opinion was going. Right. Um, when I was, you know, teaching a new Testament, I would tell students all the time and they'd be kind of baffled by this, that the King James version of the Bible used to have the Apocrypha in it. Right. But then that stopped in what the mid 1800s, because the main publisher said, you know, the main person funding the publication, the main organization said, we don't want that in there anymore. We're going to stop funding the publication of this unless you take it out. Lo and behold, we lose <laughs> right. an entire section of the Bible. Right. So, so it's not like, it's not like um, corporations and organizations or whatever we want to call these entities um, haven't for a long time used their power to to exert uh, both political, cultural, and, and social uh, uh, forces, right, to push them in a particular direction. So, um, so yes, I think on the one hand, this is certainly the moment is different now than it has been in recent years. Um, 
but it's not altogether new. I will also say um, it's not like this happened overnight either, right? So yes, it, on the one hand, it did in that after Parkland, things really changed. I think that has a lot to do with the students being the age they are, being old enough to speak out. Um, the particular students that are speaking out being very articulate uh, and being you know, very clear about what they're, what they're saying and what their demands are. Um, but it's also because people for so long have been tired of hearing thoughts and prayers. And it's because a lot of us have been criticizing thoughts and prayers for years. Right. So, um, you know, I remember I wrote a piece, what, a year and a half or two years ago, uh, you know, when prayer is not enough. And, you know, there obviously we had magazine covers, um, you know, dealing with the same thing. Um, you know, we don't want your prayers because they're not doing anything. Um, so I think that there has been, like you've said, there's been this growing frustration. And I think that if, if we hadn't had that growing frustration with this, um, you know, the thoughts and prayers and the, the inevitable cycle that we've fallen into, which is we have gun violence. You know, some people want to take action right away. A lot of politicians call for, you know, now's not the right time. And here's my thoughts and prayers. And we got to wait. And then, well, lo and behold, we've got more gun violence. Now's not the time, right? This is the cycle where there's never the time to talk about it because there's never a time where we don't have some massive gun violence that, that needs to be addressed. And, and so because we've had that building frustration for a few years now, I think that that's kind of boiled over. And I think that you're absolutely right that people are sick and tired of this and they're sick and tired of their politicians, um, you know, doing what they typically think politicians do, which is, you know, being evasive, not, you know, not really taking any action, trying to take the easy way out, not trying to upset their base and just looking at um, yeah, yeah. You know, what and they then, need to do to win election you know, we, in the next cycle. I hear over and over on the news, on cable news mostly, you know, the, the, the reason politicians aren't making these tough stances against against things like assault rifles or the NRA even even after the NRA gave that hellacious uh, couple of speeches at, at CPAC uh, <laughs> was it two weeks ago now last week something um, and, and then uh, what's her name's performance at the the CNN town hall which she basically was blaming the students for being reactionary um, from the NRA the NRA spokes lady spokesperson uh, it, 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 I, uh, we hear, oh, well, the politicians aren't standing up. That Marco Rubio is, is being a pushover because he gets all this money from the NRA. I don't think it's just the money, like you said. I mean, I, I think there there is an element of that, but it's also these politicians who grew up in in a time when you didn't question the un underpinnings of things just because there was a, a tragic event. Right, so it took nine eleven to really kind of shake the country into the idea that oh, we should really think about how we do overseas, um, you know, military yeah. operations, or we should really think and we about, should do it worse. You know, how? <laughs> yeah, I know. We we went through a pretty rough rough patch there in the early two thousands. Um, but for anybody that's still, wondering, we're still um, in Afghanistan seventeen years later in, in Iraq, Iraq. Right. right. So I mean, I've, got, I've got a friend based in Iraq, but but. Again, that kind of goes back to my point that after 9-11, the reaction wasn't, hey, who did this? Osama bin Laden, where's Osama bin Laden and 16 of the hijackers from? Oh, they were from this one country. Let's go invade Iraq. <laughs> you know, it, it was it became an excuse for baby boomers to, to go after a target that they perceived as as 
you know, uh, kind of harboring terrorism and almost a, we've got to do something and let's go do this. When I think most of the country was saying, no, no, don't, don't do that. Let's go after Osama bin Laden, <laughs> you know, let, and yes, he's in Afghanistan, but let's do this in a way that it's not another Vietnam. Cause I mean, I remember, and, and I, I remember hearing, you know, the radio stuff that day on nine 11, as I was driving across the Quinnipiac bridge and, and New Haven. And I was thinking, holy crap, well, I guess I'm going to be drafted because we're definitely going to get to war now. And uh, and then all of a sudden we're fighting in Iraq. Um, but but again, I, I just think that this era of older white male politicians have such a uh, different viewpoint on effectiveness and how things get done compared to something like, say, Parkland Teenagers or the Black Lives Matter movement, or the Me Too movement. And that's why we're seeing Democrats and Republicans, you know, like no no one's hands are clean on, on this. And I, I think all those things have kind of bubbled up to the top. And now we're having this kind of moment of, of you know, I mean, go see Black Panther. It's a great movie, but, and I don't think white people should talk about Black Panther for a while. So I'm not going to talk about it. Like we, we just need to not <laughs> try to try to speak on Black Panther, if you know what I mean, because that's that's what we white people do. It's a, it's an amazing movie. It's an amazing experience, even in, in my context. And uh, I, I'm, it's constantly in my head. And, and I'm thinking about our current political situation. And it has a lot of echoes of, of resonance with that. And at one point, a character turns, I won't spoil it, but a character turns to the screen and says something like to the audience. And it's it's this crazy, like fourth wall breaking moment. Um, and it, it, it feels like he's speaking to us about our politicians. So anyway, um, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. Vote them all out. I mean, like Obama said, don't don't boo, vote. And and it, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take people who are eighteen through twenty seven, eight, nine, out there voting, activating people to vote, and and not letting a Facebook ad tell you that hey, stay home, don't vote. There's no reason for you to vote. You know, from Russia. Um, but but uh, votes matter. And, you know, just one vote can really change things. I mean, Trump only won by 62,000 votes if you look at, you know, the, the states where he won that Hillary needed. Um, well, and this is and this is anecdotal, but I've talked to um, a number of 17-year-olds in Tallahassee that have said, um, yeah, like they're fired up. They went to, you know, the big rally last week and – They've registered to vote. They're talking to their friends about registering to vote. The ones that are 17, that will be 18 by the time uh, the general election comes around in November. And, it, you know, it's anecdotal, but I think we're seeing a lot of that, particularly because it's students that are speaking out after Parkland. And and that I think there's two important things. I think, one, this has been the problem. This has been a recurring problem in our country is that young people don't vote, mostly on either side, but typically um, moderate and left-leaning young people vote less than conservative young people. Um, the The other thing is that this, they need to maintain this, right? And what we saw with Obama is a lot of people got energized. They wanted to vote for Obama, but then they stayed at home in midterms. And then maybe they came out again in 2012. Maybe they didn't, right? And so they're not kind of keeping it up. And so there's this idea that we have to be inspired. We have to have something to really kind of coalesce us as a group or as a generation. 
to vote for. And if I don't have something that really excites me and kind of gets me emotional and makes me want to cry, um, then eh, I don't know, maybe I'll vote and maybe I won't. And that's that's a problem for our system is that that too many citizens don't understand or don't take seriously their responsibility as a citizen. So I'm, I'm very encouraged by the number of young people that I'm hearing that are wanting to vote. And uh, I'm just hoping that that doesn't fade away. I'm hoping it stays through November, but I'm hoping it doesn't fade away. After yeah, and, and I'm hoping it, it, it somehow catches fire in, in our churches because that's really like the young people need an underpinning. Um, not, you know, not Christianity. I'm just saying like there needs to be kind of a, <laughs> there needs to be an uh some sort of a, a place, you know, I'm thinking about the civil rights movement, you know, and, and yes, the civil rights movement was born inside and outside of the church, but still that when, when you look at MLK and, and how he spread his message, so much of it was from pulpits at Riverside or in the South or in the North. Um, I mean, he died trying to, to foment the, the poor people's march and our, our churches aren't doing that. You know, our churches are like, you know, my, beloved CBF. We're washing our hands of uh, <laughs> the LGBTQ question and saying, well, you know, we'll, we're going to half-ass it and try to figure out um, the best way to uh, to make a decision without making a, a decision so that we don't piss off anyone. And we ended up pissing off the whole, you know, Texas Baptist group and <laughs> see, you, see you later, uh, millions of dollars. Um, and that's a whole podcast in itself. But again, I, I just think we need to keep pressing our leaders and saying, no, I mean, yes, you're, you're a leader. You've gotten to this position because of hopefully, you know, your wisdom and hard work, not Donald Trump, but you've got to listen and it's time to respond and it's time to do something besides saying, well, let's have a project to study this for 18 months and think about how we can uh, better illuminate ourselves on this issue because therefore uh, we can have agreement and everyone can be happy and I just, I think our, our culture and our society is at a, at a different point right now. And it's the same thing MLK was talking about in Letter from a Birmingham Jail when he was talking about um, how white pastors in Birmingham. The white moderate. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, the white moderate really was the enemy of the civil rights movement, and especially in Birmingham. Right. Not right now, right? Yeah. It's, you know, that's what the white moderate is saying. Well, not right now, or now's not the time, or not those tactics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the, uh, what was the line I love? The um, uh, moral urgency of now, I, I believe. Um, just that idea of, no, now's the time to, to do this and let's do this and let's figure out the best way to do this, but let's do this. Not in a Donald Trump sit around the table in a, in a you know press event kind of a way and, and let you know crazy ass Republicans and, and stupid ass Democrats make you know wild things like, oh, we should arm teachers or we need a, like our, our governor today in South Carolina said, he's going to make sure that we have a police officer in every school in the state. So in our 1200 public schools, he's going to spend, um, I mean, he said he, he can earmark $5 million. The lowest cost base estimates is $60 million for one year. And that's just to get the program up and running if, if we were to do this. And, you know, my response is, what about a nurse in every school? What about a counselor in every school? You know, let, let's show that we give a damn. Let, let's show that we care about our children and that children are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the joy. Because the greatest love um, of all. 
Here's King in Letter from a Birmingham Jail. First, I must confess that over the past few years, I've become gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's greatest stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. I had hoped that the white moderate would understand that law and order exist for the purpose of establishing justice, and that when they fail in this purpose, they become the dangerously structured dams that block the flow of social programs. I had hoped that the white moderate would understand that the present tension in the South is a necessary phase of the transition from an obnoxious negative peace in which the Negro passively accepted his unjust plight to a substantive and positive peace in which all men will respect the dignity and worth of human personality. And then I'll skip on. I had also hoped that the white moderate would reject the myth concerning time in relation to the struggle for freedom. I've just received a letter from a white brother in Texas. He writes, all Christians know that the colored people will receive equal rights eventually. But it is possible that you are in too great a religious hurry. It has taken Christianity almost 2,000 years to accomplish what it has. The teachings of Christ take time to come to earth.